Is Matt McClain really a 300 hitter? Should the Reds move on from Ben Lively? We're going to take a look at the numbers that everyone uses to describe a player and tell you why they aren't the whole truth on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds, your daily source for all things Cincinnati Reds. I'm Stephen Offenbaker, and he's Jeff Carr, and we love baseball. We love these Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken our love of the game, and we have turned that love for baseball into information for you. Locked on Reds is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's podcast, we are going to question whether or not the performances of some of the players on the Reds in 2023 will continue to be a treat in 2024, or was it all a great big trick? We're going to get into that. We're going to be looking at Maddie, Yippie Kaye, McLean, Ben Lively, Will Benson, and Lucas Sims. Uh, before we start that conversation up, though, I want to shout out one of the sponsors of today's podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 in bonus bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All right, Jeff, I think a great place to get started is going to be with Maddie Yippie McLean. Uh, he was the guy that changed the energy. He was the guy that got the turnaround started. He was the guy that really began to help change the narrative in 2023. And he was that blue collar nose to the grindstone type of player that Cincinnati just loves to love and had the added benefit of playing at an all-star level. Now, the question we've got to ask ourselves is heading into his sophomore season, were those numbers real? Were they a treat that are going to continue to be a treat, or did he trick us? See, and, and that's the key here, Steve. I'm not saying that a player is good or bad based on these numbers, but we are going to look at things like batting average, and then when we're talking about pitchers, ERA. The numbers that everybody looks at and thinks that they automatically know everything about that player because people are looking at Matt McClain with that 290 batting average and saying, oh man, 290 as a rookie? This guy might be a 300 hitter. He might be the best guy that the Reds are going to have in their lineup. He's going to be amazing for the rest of his career. Let's back things up a little bit because there are a couple of statistics that really explain these better. Some numbers that we talk about a lot on the show, some numbers that Everydayers know we use a lot things like batting average on balls in play, BABIP. Uh, so, you know, strikeout percentage, things like that. Some interesting numbers that really kind of flesh things out a little bit more because Matt McClain's 290 batting average looks super sexy for a dude that just broke into the major leagues. But I think we really need to put it into perspective. Now, we're also going to be comparing him and just looking at the numbers for the guys that are in like the top 30 of wins above replacement for fan graphs. Guys like Acuna, Shohei, uh, Mookie Betts, all those kind of guys. Where where did their BABIPs lie? Where where did their numbers, their you know, their number the the uh, peripheral numbers look like for them? Were they off the charts? And really, they weren't that crazy because. 
Matt McClain had a BABIP with his 290 batting average. He had a BABIP of 385. Now, league average is around 295, 300-ish, a little bit below 300. As far as the top 30 war in fan graphs for the league, nobody had a BABIP above 340 unless your name was Freddie Freeman. And, I mean, Freddie Freeman has a career BABIP of 344. He's just a crazy eye BABIP guy. But everybody was below 340 on that top list. So that means regression is coming. Well, I think naturally we've always called this the sophomore slump, right? We've always talked about this as far as players, their second year in the league. Generally, it's their first full year in the league. Uh, there is a little bit of, uh, of regression because they play more. Uh, I think that Matt McLean was continuing to make adjustments. Now, if you're talking specifically, is the BABIP going to go down? Yeah, it's going to go down. Is the batting average going to take a dip? Probably that's fair. Is he going to be a 290, 300 hitter? Probably not. Could he be a 260, 270 hitter? Yeah, he could be a 260, 270 hitter in his sophomore season. But I think at the end of the day, when we're looking at his wins above replacement, I don't know that there'll be a dip in war because I think other things are going to pick up. I think he's going to hit more home runs in 2024 i think he's going to have more rbis in 2024 i think he's going to be on base more in 2024 he's going to have more walks because he's going to play in more games so i think at the end of the day it all comes out in the wash right and we're going to see a, a 3.5 to 4.0 war second baseman slash shortstop matt McLean in his sophomore season and uh, the adjustments will come and i think it will be a balancing of the statistics where everything gets a little bit more even keel instead of things being out of whack versus a drop. And that is the big picture that we want to get at here is that you might see a dip in batting average, but that does not mean he's getting worse. He might actually get better. And, and to add on to, you know, the other stuff that he could be better at walks and all that stuff, he might actually be better at stealing bases. That was one thing that he wasn't mm -hmm. really that great at. He's a fast guy. It's just, he didn't quite have the jump. He didn't quite have the right routes and things like that. I think as he gets along in his major league career, he'll be a better base stealer. But just to kind of hone in on this and why the batting average may come down a little bit, consider this. In the four months that he was in the major leagues, his batting average on balls and play dipped each month. In May, it was at 500, which is insane. That means every, one of every two balls that he put in play fell for a hit. Like, would that be amazing? Um, if, if you can keep that up for, and he, he even kept it up for 68 plate appearances. Like that's, you talk about beginner's luck. That that's, that's where we're at right there. And then in, uh, June, it, it dropped dramatically down to 364. It actually ticked back up in July to 373. And then in August it was 345. Now for that, that's probably who he is. Also, 364, 373, 345, that's probably representative of who he is. Because you're right, beginner's luck, rookie energy, uh, the pitchers really not having seen a lot of, of film and having not quite learned how to pitch him yet. All of those factors combined for that 500. You're right. We're, we're not getting that guy every month. But we can get three, I, 373, I think, is reasonable. 373 could be who Matt McClain is. That could be... It be very interesting because his numbers in July were fantastic. And then you look at August, the 345 BABIP produced 
a 263 batting average. He hit 263 in the month of August before he suffered the injury that ultimately ended his season. But that was that was a progression. He hit 361 in the month of May with that 500 BABIP, and then he dropped down to 263. So yes, that was kind of the adjustment period. It's like you said, like the the overall player, he's still going to be a very good guy. It's just that number, the 290 batting average, is a little bit of a trick based on the BABIP. And then also when you look at the fact that he had a strikeout percentage of 28.5%. Now, we, we talked about that a lot with Ellie. We talked about that a lot with with some guys where it's like, man, it felt like they had a high strikeout rate. We didn't really put Matt McClain in that conversation, but he should be there because he was in the top five. That's that's fair, but also we struggle, Jeff. You you and me, and I'm sure most of the listening body of this show struggle in adjusting the things we look at and the measuring sticks that we use in baseball. You know, I'm you came up a little bit later than me, but when I was a kid watching baseball, you know, batting average for the, the hitters was the end all and ERA was the end all for the pitchers. And, and that's just different. And strikeout numbers were looked at as to whether a hitter was good or not. But nowadays you're going to see higher strikeout percentages because guys are trying harder to hit home runs. They've changed their swings. They have a different approach. So we have to figure out new statistics to look at new ways to judge whether or not a guy is good. And, and, you know, I'm guilty of falling back into my old, my old habits when I hear about strikeouts and Oh my God, this guy strikes out 30% of the time. Good God. He's terrible. And then like, wait a minute, time out. <laughs> I'm talking about a guy that's an all-star. Let's, yeah. let's dig deeper. Um, I think, I think that should be the message to our listeners and a reminder to you and I and to anybody that talks about this team with any regularity that you got to dig deeper to really understand nowadays. Baseball is more complicated than it was, you know, when we were coming up. No, and I, I totally agree. And that is the point of our exercise in today's game, uh, today's episode. So thanks so much for joining us along on this ride. And as we kind of wrap up Matt McClain, Will he be a 290 hitter? Probably not, but he's still going to be a very good player for this Reds team moving forward. Speaking of, uh, you know, what, what's he going to be moving forward? Do the Reds need to move on from Ben Lively? Coming up next, the numbers say, hold your horses. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel. You got to saddle up the FanDuel right now and score early during the NFL season because uh, they've got a lot of great promos on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. Seriously, if you find your money line that you want, you press it, you put in your, you know, I just put a $5 bet in, you put in the number five, you hit bet, Boom, there you go. Your wager's in, and winnings are very easy to get out as well. Uh, and they've got great uh, betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can also combine uh, prop bets from a single game uh, into a single-game parlay, which makes things even more fun. I really love putting together same-game parlays on these World Series games. Um, Again, been getting a lot of money off of taking Ketel Marte to get any number of hits because he's just getting all the hits and Corey Seager as well. 
Um, so you, you might want to look that up. Or if you want to get in on this $150 bonus bet action with the money line, look no further than this Sunday night down at Paycor Stadium as the Buffalo Bills come to town to face the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are only one and a half point favorites here. That's going to move. That line is going to move. That's going to move, move. which means the money line is going to move as well. The money line right now is minus 126. And as the, as the point spread moves, the money line gets less of a value. So go take the Bengals right now on that money line, minus 126. You'll thank us on Monday. And you'll get uh, the $150 in bonus bets if you're a new customer. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the or keep the NFL season going with FanDuel, their official partner of the NFL. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on the next Lockdown Reds podcast. We're going to look at the final third of the season. We did this series that we started last week and then got way distracted and all this other stuff, but we were breaking the season down into thirds. We talked about how the first couple of months of the season really derailed the, the whole year that ended up being a fun year. But what was the key to the collapse of the Reds? We'll talk about that on the next podcast. And, and speaking of our everydayers, thank you all so much for being uh, with us. And you guys are, are a huge reason that we do this each and every day. I want to apologize for the, the long layoff that we've had here this last week. Um, it was almost a week in, in between episodes. I've been crazy sick with this like coughing fit that nobody wanted to hear me say any kind of words, let alone hear what I had to say about the reds. And, um, I know Steve was having some technical issues. It was, it was a perfect storm of, of just not getting out episodes. So thank you for hanging with us, but we are back well, and we'll be with you. You know what they say, Jeff, is, you know, sometimes you can't miss a person unless they go away for a minute. So I'm sure everybody missed us and is glad to see our smiling faces back on their YouTube feed. Yeah. Uh, what absence makes the heart grow fonder or something? Yes, yeah. sir. Uh, Look at you. Poet. Right. You're a poet. Well, you know who we need to figure out um, <clears throat> would absence make the heart go? Would absence make the heart go fonder with Ben Lively? Because I think that Ben Lively is actually a treat disguised as a trick here. Might be a fair assessment because again, you're you're pitching this from the perspective of looking at like those old school numbers that we always used to go to to decide if a good a guy is good or if he's bad. Ben Lively's ERA in 2023 was 5.48. It says over a nine inning stretch, he's going to give up nearly six runs. I don't think that's representative of the pitcher that he really is. And I I want to caveat when you look at his statistics to keep a a few things in mind. The Reds bounced him from reliever to starting pitcher. The Reds ran him out there as a starter. and, And quite honestly, quite frankly, David Bell did him dirty on more than one occasion. There were oh, yeah. a couple starts. That where one game in it, Chicago and, was just yeah, practice. That's that's exactly what comes to mind. You have to know that Ben Ben Lively got a mound visit, and the mound visit went something like, "Listen, Ben, here's the thing." I'm not going to warm anybody up. So you can get these guys out. You can not get them out. You can give up a hundred runs. I don't care. As long as your arm is attached to your body, you're throwing the ball. That really is probably how that mound visit went. Hey, Ben, I've been throwing way too many bullpen days and I'm going to need you to bail me out of that. I'm just going to need you to pitch. Come what may. (laughs) 
rain or that's, shine. That's exactly, yeah, but- that's exactly how they treated him. And I think, you know, that skewed numbers like ERA that, that makes it appear that he was worse than he really was because there were times where he gave the Reds really, really good innings. Yeah, and I think that it's important to note, like the ERA number of 5.48 is the thing that jumps off your first on the page. The thing you really need to look at is his walk rate, 6.6%, lowest on the team as a starting pitcher, um, absolutely phenomenal in the 12 starts that he had. And if that is a number that he can consistently produce as a starter, then that's something that he can take even more as a relief pitcher. And I think too, and this is something that we're kind of working on here when we're talking about Ben Lively, what his best role would be for the Reds. They absolutely don't need to move on from him. They need to kind of lock him in to the multi-inning role of stabilizing the pitching staff because think about this team. It is going to be a lot of young pitchers. And hopefully... I'm going to champion this cause all off season until they either do or don't do it. Uh, Hopefully they go sign a veteran starting pitcher, but even if they do, this team is still going to be reliant a lot on a lot of young pitching. They need somebody in the middle of a game that can take over a few innings and kind of bridge the gap. If you got a starter that maybe, maybe he did the Hunter green, where he had 12 strikeouts and didn't give up a run, but he threw 105 pitches in four innings. And and you just need somebody to take on a couple more innings. Ben Lively can absolutely be that guy because I think that he's got a lot of great peripherals with the walk rate and things like that that you say, all right, he was a pretty decent pitcher. Plus, you look at the fact, and we we talk about the 5.58 ERA, he was crazy unlucky with a statistic that inflated that ERA quite a bit. It's a stat that we like to refer to a little bit. It's called homer to fly ball ratio. So for for all the fly balls that he gave up, 20% of the fly balls that he gave up turned into home runs. That's an insanely high number. Like the top 30 pitchers in war were like 16% was the highest and everybody was below. Only one guy was at 16%. Everybody was below that. The average was like 12%. It's crazy high crazy unlucky for that ERA. You know, the thing with Ben Lively, there's a couple things, actually. Um, You're absolutely right. Uh, Him being a stabilizing middle innings guy in the Reds bullpen, I think would be tremendous for this team heading through 2024. Ben Lively, if used correctly, and and really what I mean by that is not pitching him on back-to-back days. If you don't pitch Ben Lively on back-to-back days, he could actually give you four games a week, two innings at a time. That's huge for taking the workload off of some of these guys in the bullpen that we talked about. Ian Jabot at 70-plus appearances. Uh, Alexis Diaz at 70-plus appearances. Lucas Sims off of injury at 69 appearances. Uh, It could really dial that back a little bit and help this team out, which is what I think was a difference, and we'll talk about this in tomorrow's show. Uh, It really led to part of the collapse there at the end of the 2023 season. Ben Lively can be that stabilizing guy. When you talk about the Reds signing a starter, in order to facilitate this. I don't think that matters, Jeff, because when you look at, and obviously going into the assumption that come February and Goodyear, everybody's healthy, right? Everybody shows up ready to pitch, ready to go. You're looking at uh, the starting rotation of Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Williamson, Phillips, Abbott. That's six guys already competing for a starter. 
spot, not counting Ben Lively. I think you go into 2024 just already having made this decision that Ben Lively is your middle innings, innings eater pitcher. That's your guy. And then whoever doesn't win that six rotation spot, I think probably ends up back in Louisville to be stretched out and continue to be a starter. So I don't see Ben Lively being... I know it's given the opportunity to be a starter, but I think in the best interest of the team for 2024, they should just tell him when he walks in the door out in Goodyear, hey, this is your role. So get ready. And that can absolutely, I I think that would be best for him and best for the team. That That's absolutely what they need to do because I look at, um, do for the Rangers in the World Series, Josh Spores. Uh, it's a really, really weird name, really. But uh, he is absolutely nails for the Rangers, and he gives them multiple innings whenever he comes in. Now, he does pitch on back-to-back days and stuff like that. But I think you're right. Like, maybe four four appearances well, in one week, and, and to three clarify appearances that, the next week. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying he can't pitch in back-to-back days. But right, I'm right, saying right. to get to that, that, that max number of uh, four appearances a week, you can't pitch him on back-to-back days because if you pitch him on back-to-back days, you're going to have to give him, and, and the numbers don't work. But he could pitch up to four times a week, multiple innings, and be that that stabilizing force. But if you get situations where he's got to pitch on back-to-back days, I believe he's capable of that as well. But I also think that having him on the roster and having healthy starting pitching on the roster keeps you from the dreaded words, bullpen day, which if you just ask the Arizona Diamondbacks after game four – it don't work. And, and I know that we had to do them on a couple of occasions simply out of necessity, but I think that should be the main goal for Nick Crawl this offseason is make sure you don't have to do that simply de facto, simply just because we have too many injuries or you know, too many guys are ineffective or something like that. Like have enough depth that you don't have to do bullpen days. Reds had to do way too many of them last year, and I think that having a healthy rotation and a guy like Ben Lively there in the middle would mitigate. All right. So here's where we've landed so far. Our guy, Maddie Yippie McLean. He was a little bit of a trick in 2023, but he's going to be a treat in 2024. Ben Lively. Likewise, his numbers were a trick. They weren't a pleasant trick, but they were a trick and he could also be a treat for this team in 2024. Coming up, we're going to take a look at two more of our favorite guys, guys that Jeff and I are both big fans of, uh, and that is Will Benson in the outfield and friend of the show, Lucas Sims in the bullpen. We're going to take a look at their numbers and decide if they are tricks or treats coming up in 2024. We're going to get to that right after this. Thanks for being an everydayer and following us here on Locked on Reds. You can follow us between episodes. You can follow Jeff on x uh, at jeff Carr. that's jeff with three f's you can follow me at s offenbaker that's with two f's and you can follow the show at locked on reds and don't forget we need you to jump over to tiktok and find jeff that's at jeff Carr with three f's because if we can get his tiktok following to a thousand followers he will be leading a flash mob at great american ballpark on the concourse at a game in 2024 so help me make that happen pretty pretty please all right jeff let's get into will benson and lucas sims look i want to put this out there right now we are both huge fans of these players you uh, the captain president 
cheerleader, pumper car driver of the Will Benson train from day one. Uh, Lucas Sims, obviously friend of the show, a guy that we really want to see have success. We really want to see uh, continue to put up great numbers and be healthy. But we got to look at their performances in 2023 and decide if what ultimately happened with both of these players is sustainable. Is it a fluke or not? And is it something they can build upon heading into 2024? So let's, let's start with your guy, your dude, Will Benson, because you, you championed this guy from the first 30 seconds that he was a member of the Cincinnati Reds and you never stopped. You never gave up on him. And, and to your credit, you know, you stuck by your takes and ultimately that dude had your back because when he came back from AAA, uh, he came back with a vengeance and he did some things. Yeah, and he was fantastic. He ended up having a 275 batting average after going one for 42 to start off his first couple of months in the big leagues so, or with the Reds. And his performances were fantastic, but that 275 batting average is a little bit inflated. Now, everydayers will know, not only is this just a Will Benson thing, but this episode in general was kind of difficult for me because I was looking at the numbers and I saw these numbers that said, okay, probably pump the brakes on a few things about these guys. Every dares will know that I'm an optimist and I will always go crazy with big numbers. And I will always love the fact that Will Benson hit 275 last year, but he had a 391 Babbitt. He had a higher Babbitt than Matt McClain did. And that is just unsustainable. Plus, he had a higher strikeout rate than Matt McClain. He struck out almost as much as Ellie did at 31.3% of the time. So, that is to say this. Will Benson was a lot of fun last year. And yes, I will still be the champion and the, and the leader of the Will Benson fan club. But I am also on of the understanding that to expect him to be a 275 hitter all the time I might be a little bit disappointed next year because there's regression coming with that high Babbitt. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair take. And and really where I land with Will Benson is at the exact same spot I landed with, with Matt McClain in that we're going to see that Babbitt come down. So 391. Obviously, that is not sustainable. That is not going to be who he is over 162-game season and moving forward in his career. Could he be a 330 Babbitt guy? I think so. Here's why. I think he's going to be used in a straight platoon in 2024. I don't think they're going to let him face left-handed pitching. Uh, and we can talk about whether that's good or bad. Plenty. This that's, another episode, yeah. that's another episode. But I don't think David Bell is going to let him face left-handed pitching. I think he's going to be a straight platoon. I think that's going to help inflate his numbers just a little bit. It's going to keep his Babbitt high. Let's say 330 could be where he lands on the Babbitt. What does that translate to as far as a batting average goes? I think he's probably a 240, 250 guy. I think that's probably who he'll be in a straight platoon next season at Great American Ballpark. Uh, but I think that he's going to be, again, a valuable player because I think over the course of a full season, we'll see his, his counting stats. We'll see things go up. We'll see him get a little bit more walks. I think the 30% strikeout rate is probably also who he is. And I think that in general is who a lot of these young kids are baseball wide. That's not a Reds thing. That's not just a Cincinnati minor leagues problem. That's just the game of baseball in 2024. The strikeout percentages are going to be up. 
So I think that's who he is, 28 to 32%, somewhere in that swing on strikeouts. But he's going to get on base. He's going to steal your bases. He's going to be a fiery guy. And I think he stays right down there in 7, 8, 9 land in the Reds lineup uh, where he found tremendous success in 2023. He's going to continue to be one of the best low uh, spot in the lineup hitters in baseball. But I, I think the biggest reason for me and – the thing that everybody needs to pay attention with the most with Will Benson is his power, not necessarily his batting average. He is going to be a power guy for his career. He can absolutely hit the cover off the ball, and that is something that is not a fluke. That is something that I think will continue. And again, we, we keep saying that you, know, you, you can look at a batting average and think you know something about a guy. We want you to look deep. We want you to understand more about that player and batting averages and everything. And ERA is not everything, Steve, because when you look at Lucas Sims, he has a 3.1 ERA, and you think, okay, that's pretty good. But there are some other numbers that say that that's a little bit tricky because his ex-FIP is a number we talked about in the past that is more of a predictor as far as it takes away the defensive factors. It takes away... Um, the things that are out of a pitcher's control and it focuses heavily on ground ball to fly ball ratio and things like that. Lucas Sims really needs to allow more ground balls. He has a terrible ground ball to fly ball ratio. And because of that, his XFIP says that his ERA should have been over five instead of where it was at three point. Yeah, I think, and, and you and I talked about this, I think both on the air and just when we hang out, I think we talked about this a lot with Lucas, that there were times where we looked at each other and said, wow, he got away with one there. Wow. That was, wow. You know, though, that was our reaction a lot. You got to grit. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Here, here's what I know about Lucas Sims. Uh, he was asked to pitch in 20 more games than he's ever pitched in a season in his career last season. Uh, he was on the mound way more than he should have been. And that was coming off a major back injury. Uh, so I think moving into 2024, his numbers will also stabilize. What kind of guy is he? Well, if you want to know what kind of an ERA guy that he is, I think he is a 310 to 350 ERA, you know, 3.1 to 3.5. I think that is the pitcher that he is. I think just how he gets there is going to be a little bit different next season because I think his appearances will be down. His overall innings will be down. You're absolutely right. He's got to induce ground balls if the ball is going to be put in play. He can't live with the ball in the air, especially with 81 games at Great American Ballpark. That's just not something that you want to be when you're, you know, a long-term bullpen option for this Cincinnati Reds team. You can't live in the air so i think he does need to work on inducing the ground balls uh, the other part of this is that his arm wore out you could see it you could see it in the back half of the season you can see that with a lot and we can say that about almost all of the bullpen but he's not going to have to contend with that next season because i am a firm believer that between moving ben lively to the bullpen and and the upgrades that nick craw better make nick i know you're listening Nick crawl better make in this bullpen in 2024. He's going to have a lot left in the tank when we get to September and hopefully October and November, maybe uh, he's going to be able to pitch with, uh, with more control, with more uh, of his repertoire versus just God, please let the ball get over the plate. So I, I think, I think that, I think that Lucas Sims was not a, it was not a trick 
what his numbers were. That 310 is not a trick. It was just smoking mirrors a little bit to get there in 2023. I think, and I think too, what I take away from these numbers are I, I would like to see him maybe utilize his sliders more of a ground ball pitch because I feel like all of his pitches right now are geared toward getting a strikeout, trying to force that whiff, trying to force that swing and miss, and not necessarily any other way like he almost feels like an all-or-nothing pitcher right now and one of the other things that worries me about that 3.1 era is the fact that his batting average on balls in play against him was so unsustainably low like for batter when they're really high we say okay regression is coming he had a babip of 212 that was like 80 points lower than league average so that's something too that's a little bit unsustainable. Relief pitching, it's a little bit weird talking about those peripheral statistics, but I, I do wonder a little bit if, you know, being a fickle thing that relief pitching is, if that doesn't come back to haunt him next year. But I think overall, though, Steve, we, when we look at the entire picture of these players, it's still a very good thing. It's just to know and understand that there are some numbers that may differ. That doesn't mean that the player themselves is worse next year. And I think that will be a great spot to go ahead and wrap it up for today. This was a fun episode, Jeff. Um, this is what I know. I, at 2024, my excitement could not be possibly diminished at all. I am just, I'm looking forward to this team getting back on the field and doing their things. Uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every day is, again, coming up on the next episode. Jeff and I are going to look at the final third of the 2023 season and point out the areas where things may have gone a little bit wrong and ultimately ended up with the Reds narrowly missing the playoffs uh but jeff until we get to that tell the folks what they can expect from you and i they can expect us to be locked on reds every single day oh you made it made it barely